folks come on Number 143 is kicking off with an absolute banger of a song. Jen Johnson, Victory of God. Wow. Absolutely wow. She's great. She is great. 
I'd like to give some live shout-outs here this morning, so let's do that right now. Everybody on this Godcast. We've got Ray Frisson. We've got Ethich 3 Lord Fishy is in the building. Nancy, how are you, Nancy? Actually have a letter here from you, Nancy, that I was going to read. Uh, this is one, this one and I Speak Jesus are my faves. Uh, Mama B says, love it, the goodness of God. God Chick says, you've been so, so good. CQ is in the building. Freebird. Dr. Goat Kisses, Amanda Collins, Redneck, Annette, Serby and Mustache, J-Rock, Mama Rat, Purple Snowflake is here, Hugva, Nancy, how are you, NY Girl, Inspired Divine, Planted by Waters, good to see you, Dan Dayer, thank you for being here, man, Jelly, Good to see you, and let's give one more here, Rockin' Robbins. Actually, Rockin' Robbins just sent a Slurp Fund check out to you, so I'm just so happy to be here. I'm so blessed to be here with you guys, and um, for everybody who might be new, Troy says, signing in. Well, that's good, because if you're signed in, that means you can rumble and you can comment, so that's great. More miracles than I can count, amen. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, for all those who are new to Rise Up, uh, this is episode number 143, and what this show is, just to give you like a quick overview or you know, a summary of what the show is, uh, 143 episodes ago, we started this thing called Rise Up. Now, Rise Up was never intended to be a five-day-a-week show. We had a 9 o'clock hour to fill because we, the guy that we previously had in the 9 o'clock hour left, so I was going to do this show called Rise Up. And what it was really going to be was I always wanted my own coffee, right? Because I'm very, uh, I'm very, I'm just a coffee drinker and I wanted to have my own flavors. And so we created this Rise Up Coffee. Now, the point of creating Rise Up Coffee and the Rise Up Show was going to be maybe once or twice a week where we did it. We did an early episode. It was going to be at eight o'clock in the morning when we had somebody at the nine o'clock hour. We were going to drink Rise Up coffee, whether it was the Sumatra Gold or the American Pecan, and we were going to talk about my morning newsletter. And because I put out a morning newsletter every day, or at least I try to, some days like today I couldn't get to it. But for the most part, you get a morning newsletter every day, and that morning newsletter is the verse of the day. And we break it down, we talk about it, we, we apply it to our lives, etc. So when the 9 o'clock hour opened up, God said, I'd like you to do this every day for you. Not for everybody else right now, but for you because you need this because you skip church a lot, you're not in fellowship as much as you should be, you're too busy with uh, LFA Media Company and, and everything else, you need to do this because I need you closer to me. If you're going to be a warrior for God, if you're going to wear an armor of God and spread that message of you can't beat God, then I need you to be in the Word more every day. So I said, okay, so what does that mean? And then it went one step further to No, I don't want you just doing this show every day and doing the verse of the day every day. I want you to make your journey with me 100% public. American Nanny says she received her birthday gift yesterday. That's great. So I said, well, I don't want to do that. I mean, I'm a pretty transparent guy, but everybody still has a private life and especially their life with God. I said, that should be between me and you. That's what you say in the Bible. 
And God says, oh, it will be. It will be between me and you. And trust me, you and I will have our time. But you need to be an open book about your relationship with me so that you can be convicted in public, in front of everybody else and me, because you really need that. You need that kind of guidance. And I didn't want to do it, just like I didn't want to become a Christian in 2016. But I listened. I obeyed. And it was the best thing I have ever, ever, ever decided to do. The best decision I ever made. The two best decisions I ever made. To follow Christ when he said to pick up your cross and to make it public. And we just got a $5 rise up donation from Newbies Girl. Thank you for the thank you for that. And for everybody who might be completely new to the network, we are a 65% donor funded network. And a 35% sponsor funded network. So that means our bread and butter comes from you. So I just wanted to let everybody know that's what Rise Up is. If it sounds like it's something for you, if you're here for the first time, join us as that sun is rising over my back right there. Join us for this hour, 9 to 10. Jay, uh, Jay gives me 15 says, I wore my Christ 2024 shirt. People either looked away or stared me down. Not one person said they liked it. Not yet. But here's the thing, uh, gives me. It's because most of those people are afraid to say they liked it, not because they don't like it. Remember that. Keep plugging away. Keep plugging away. Most of those people probably looked at it and go, I want to say nice shirt, but I'm afraid that somebody else will stare at me. But guess what? Staring at me is what I like the most. Of course, that comes from a person who used to walk with the devil and like to be the center of attention. So I don't know how much of that I want to carry over to my life and my walk with Jesus. But I am built to be the center of attention, meaning I can take it all on. I can take it all on. Or as the youngsters say, I want all that smoke. It does not. As a matter of fact, if I know somebody's looking at me like that, I want to wear Jesus stuff even more. Thank you, T. Mitchell. And thank you, Ron, for tea. Have some bread and butter with a $50 donation. Thank you. Annette says, I wear my armor of God and it, it get, uh, lots of love for your shirt. That's great. And Milo says, representing the West Coast, sun is just barely up. Well, you know what? It's a good time. Let's lift up that Rise Up coffee. Let's have a drink. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Because today, oh, I almost took my headphones off. Now on Rise Up, I don't wear my headphones. Ah, uh, because I don't need to. I don't need to listen to all these videos usually. Um, so anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I titled today's show, we must be held accountable. Now, a lot of times you go, Jeremy, how do you get your topics for the day? Well, a lot of them come from my own mistakes and my own blessings and the mercy and salvation that I receive every day. But a lot of times I make mistakes. And the difference between having Christ and not having Christ is before Christ, you don't want to be held accountable for your mistakes. After Christ... You want nothing more than to be held accountable for your mistakes because we all must atone. We must all atone for something, ladies and gentlemen. And even if people don't see it, God sees it. So like I said, today we will be talking about accountability because we all need it. 
We all face it both here and in front of Jesus. We need to atone for the things that we do wrong. Even if nobody knows about it or it's done from a position of power and nothing can be done to you. Remember, the rich ruler and the poor peasant all end up in the same place, the grave. That is not the end, though. The end comes with accountability. Answering for your actions, both good and bad. When you, must, when you mess up, you must take ownership of your wrongdoing and not be embarrassed or ashamed of it. Chin up, ladies and gentlemen. We have work to do. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get busy. And I've got a new book to read from today, and I'm very excited to read from it for you. In Jesus' name, Father in heaven, we come to you and, and just give you all of the glory. All of the glory. Everything that we experience, Lord, every miracle, the thousands of miracles that we experience and may overlook every single day, that glory goes to you, Lord, because nobody else is making that happen. No, nobody else is presenting those opportunities, Father, but you. You are the beginning. You are the present. You are the end. You are the alpha and the omega. Nobody should get any praise for anything that they experience unless they're giving it to you, Lord. But Lord, we also pray for accountability. We also pray for you to correct us when we're wrong. We also pray for you to show us and guide us where we've gone wrong so we can make an atonement for that here on earth as well. We desire conviction. We seek the treasures and the trials. And we pray for the rough and tumble times. Lord, hold us accountable today. Father, everybody who's listening now, live, and later on, when it's recorded, help us be convicted of and hold ourselves accountable for what we are doing wrong right now. Let this show today be an opportunity for everybody who's listening and watching to confess their sins today, to confess what they need to be held accountable for right now in order for them to move on. We all must do it, and we thank you for that. And above all else, we thank you for forgiving us already. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember when I told you guys that for the last month I've been very, very short-tempered, angry, not focused, And then I went on that camping trip. And that camping trip brought me back to center. And with your prayers, it brought me back on the narrow path. Well, ladies and gentlemen, everything that you do catches up to you. Let me just say that again. Every decision that you make that may not be the right decision, that's the wrong choice for you to make, I can tell you it will catch up to you. And the difference 
of having Jesus in your life and not having Jesus in your life, when those things catch up to you, is that you don't run from them anymore. You don't run from them. You stand firm. You put your chest out. You put your shoulders back. You put your head up high. Your chin is up. And you say, Lord, I'm here to atone for what I've done wrong. Wife, husband, I'm here to atone for what I've done wrong. That's integrity. That's being a Christian. And now I am experiencing the catching up to me from when I was being not godly for the better part of a whole month. Meaning that those people that I may have hurt by things I said, things that you can't take back, or maybe just hurting people's feelings by being short with them, or maybe, how about this, not answering people back by email because I just don't have enough time. It does not matter about the excuse. What matters is you have to own up to it. And not by only repenting to God and saying you're sorry to the people you hurt. That's given. But you must own up to it and you must atone for it. So what, the, what is the definition of atone? Let's look up the actual Webster's definition of atonement. And it says, reparation for wrong or injury. Ah, ah, how is that biblical? Well, because the Bible tells you if you steal from somebody or you wrong somebody, you must pay them back in excess. Reparations for wrong or injury, atonement. In religious contexts, reparation or expiation for sin. So it's not enough to just say you're sorry. And it's not enough to just repent. It is to the Lord. But here on earth, we must make good on what we've done wrong. Amen? Every situation is going to be different. I'm going to convict all of you right now. How many of you have done somebody in your family wrong recently? Now, you might say, what do you mean by do wrong? How many of you have a feeling of a guilty conscience? How many of you right now are thinking about something in the last month or two that you've done wrong? That not only you need to repent for, but you need to atone for. I have. Now, how do you do that? Well, you need to talk with God on that one. That's not up for me to tell you. If you want advice from me, my advice to you through God, through the Holy Spirit on this show is to say, if any of this applies to you, you must ask God the best way to atone for that. Now, why do you need to atone? 
Because to say you're sorry to God, as long as you mean it, is enough. Unfortunately, to say you're sorry to a lot of people on this planet, it's not enough. To repent to them, to apologize, it's not enough. It should be. And that's the greatness and the glory of God is that he say, when you say you're sorry to him, <laughs> forgiven. That's it. That's done. With people, it's a little different. So if you really, 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 really want them to know that you're sorry and you really want them to accept your apology for what you've said, what you've done, even if they've wronged you, doesn't matter. What you're doing right now is what you need to do as a child of God to atone for what you've done wrong. Don't point the finger at somebody. Well, they did. Nope. Well, she said, nope. Well, he did. Nope. I do that all the time and it's wrong. It's not going to change anything. It's not going to make anything better. That's pride. Thank you, Grammy love. So, in order to really, really let people know that you really are sorry, to them, sometimes the words, I'm sorry, are just, you know, like, okay, see you later, bye, I love you. They're just there. Show it. Show them better than you can tell them. And I'm going to take that advice today myself. There are many Bible verses that reference accountability. I'd like to read some of those for you now if I could. Romans 14, 12. And and I know that Barbara Peters, God bless her, I love you so much, Barbara. I know that people like Barbara, they take notes. So if you're one of those people that take notes and you want to go back to verses that I talk about here on Rise Up and actually read them in context, that's great. Romans 14, 12 says, so then each of us will give an account to ourselves to God. Second Corinthians 5, 10. Again, second Corinthians 5, 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5.10 Things that are done while in the body, whether good or bad. Galatians 5.25 and 26. Galatians 5.25 and 26. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 and 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 and and 27. If one part suffers, 
every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. That is convicting. Now I was convicted of things that I need to atone for that I did over the last 30, 60 days. And I knew that before coming on the show today, which is why I wanted to talk about it. But after reading 1 Corinthians 12, 26 and 27 just now, that really hit me. That hit me. Let me read that again. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. We cannot afford to sin and get off that beaten path, that narrow path, Without repenting and atoning. We just can't. It's not possible. Because what brings you back on will quickly let go of you if you don't do those two things and you'll fall back off again in no time. We've got to do our parts. Wow. That one hit me. How about this one? Hebrews 13, 16, and 17. Hebrews 13, 16, and 17. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account We're going to talk about that in a second. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be no benefit of you. Even our leaders will be held to account. Larry, you just won the comment of the day. Larry Reha just said, and by the way, it's good to have you back, buddy. I'm just a nobody. So am I, Larry. So am I. I'm just a nobody. Trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. And ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. The last one I'll read for accountability, to, accountability today is Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his internal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, but being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. The last two words. Without excuse. Talk about the ultimate accountability without excuse.
in God's hands said, Jeremy, I almost didn't turn on this morning when God woke me up at 558 West Coast. God said, rise up. There's a message for you. Wow. That's a very good, I just want to, I want to echo something that J. Keith Mack said. Jeremy, you have to ask the person you wronged. I was wrong. How can I make it right? It's paramount to making amends with those we've harmed if we want peace. J. Keith, you're right about that. But one thing you have to take into account is this. Nine times out of ten, they're just going to say, Thanks, don't worry about it. Nine times out of ten, they're just going to say, don't worry about it. I don't want to talk about it. Thank you. I, I, I just don't want to talk about it. But can you tell me how I can make it right for you? There's nothing you can do. What happens when you hear that? That's why I say talk to God. Now, I don't say you shouldn't ask those people how they can make it right because you don't know if you don't ask, right? And you lose 100% of the opportunities that you don't take. So, of course, ask. But also talk to God before you go there. Remember, God first, right? God first. Ask him first. He'll guide you. He'll guide you. Because a lot of times, people that you've wronged are not going to want to talk to you. They're not going to accept your apology. So, you know, there's variables that we have to make sure that we touch on. One minute prayer for dads. Owning my weakness. Owning my weaknesses. Page 59. So everybody who's got their little... One Minute Prayer for Dad's Books with them. Please open up to page 59. Owning My Weaknesses from 2 Corinthians 12, 9. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon you. Own your weaknesses, no matter what they are. A wise dad not only knows his strengths, he also knows his weaknesses. Thank God for those weaknesses because they force you to depend more on the Lord for your strength. Paul wrote about this so much. Paul wrote so much about depending on God for his strengths in your time of weaknesses and really embrace those weaknesses. Name two or three of your weaknesses right now. Anger is one of mine, meaning that I'm very quick to anger. Now, I want to just put that aside for a minute. Don't think of me as some monster. I'm not some monstrous, angry guy. I used to be. But with Christ, so much of that has disappeared. However, the ability for me to get that angry still exists. And there are triggers in my life. Like if somebody hurts a child or rapes a kid, stuff like that. 
I can go for, or if you got people out there that are like, like those people in Miami, I go from zero to 1,000 in a millisecond, and I can't stop it. It's like the Incredible Hulk. I want more of it. I want to be more angry. So I have reduced by about 80% the amount of things that I get angry about and how often I lose my temper. But if I do lose it, it's over with. Now, I don't break stuff and put holes in things and, 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 and smash anything. My tongue does far more damage than I could ever do physically. So that's one of my weaknesses. Another one of my weaknesses, trying to control situations when I am not in control. And another, and my third weakness, I absolutely hate incompetence. To the point where I will straight look at you and tell you <laughs> that you are incompetent. And I've done that with people close to me lately. And what, that's one of those, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube moments. Because if somebody that loves you tells you that you're incompetent, hard to come back from that so my anger hold on Bill Beard says I believe you're mistaken Jeremy if you believe you have wronged somebody and you feel you need to rectify your first step is to ask the person for forgiveness if that doesn't work and then they went on well I believe that's mistaken I believe God first in everything God before you even go to those people that's all I'm saying. So I disagree with you there. Very much, actually. Humans are flawed. You can't put your faith or your trust in any, any human on earth. So that's why I say you must go to God first, then go to them. That's all I'm saying. And I think it's pretty hard to argue that you don't put God first in anything. So maybe there was just a miscommunication there. Maybe we agree more than we think. Anger, controlling situations, and, and, and hating, um, hating incompetence. But the problem is, with incompetence, who's the person who gets to label whether you're competent or not? So if somebody doesn't do things the way I do things... When it comes to like a job, not like everyday life. I'm not that kind of a narcissist or Nazi. I'm just talking about in a job. If I hire you to do a job and you can't do that job, I hate that. If somebody hires me to do a job, I have to do the job. And I have to do it above and beyond or else I don't feel comfortable. And I just need to let myself realize that not everybody's like that. That's okay. Not everybody's like that. So those are my three weaknesses. What are yours? Told you today's show was going to be convicting. It really is. Let's move on. Name two or three of your weaknesses. Admit them to God and ask him to be your strength in those areas. Father God in heaven, I humbly request and pray that you give me your strength in those weakness in those weak times. That I can rely on you and not me in those tough times. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Teach your children about the power of Christ, resting on those who are aware of their weaknesses. Thank you, Lord, for my strengths. Thank you also for my weaknesses as a man and as a dad. I know it's through my weaknesses that you can really work as the power of Christ rests on me. Use my weaknesses to show forth your strength. Be strong in me today. Help me explain the value of admitting my weaknesses to my kids. May they feel, may they freely admit their weaknesses also. Freely. Thank you for your strengths. I'm going to have a little bit of my field of greens. I'm just reading some of your comments here. I love reading your comments. CQ said spiritual accountability is good for us because it promotes self-discipline. God's plan of accountability is a blessing. And if we follow it, we will be better Christians. I agree. We have to let things go. Ginny Wanamaker says, I get so angry at myself some days because I allow people to walk all over me and use me. I know I'm doing it, but do it anyways because I just want to help others regardless of what it does to me. Purple Snowflake said their three are worry, self-esteem, and temper. Ron Forte says, confessing my righteous indignation causes my mouth to make drunk sailor blush. No offense to drunk sailors. I'm a grandma and have lifetime of bad habits. So do I. Bad Moon says, I have so many flaws you would need a whole week to cover them. Tina says, I have put up walls around me ever since hurt at church, getting hurt at church over 20 years ago. And faith and country says, worry, worry, worry. I have the hardest time giving my worries away. Wow. And worry is a hard one, isn't it? Worry can leads to depression and loneliness and and fear, you're just always scared that something's going to happen. Worrying that the worst is going to happen. You know, that is the one thing that Jesus does offer is freedom from that worry. He offers freedom from everything. But you know that analogy of the backpacks and the bricks? That kind of, you know, if you worry about something, more than likely you're going to will it to happen, actually. Worrying is actually almost manifesting things to happen. And uh, it's definitely a um, it's definitely a change, a, a, a one hundred a one eighty change on how you perceive the world that you must do. And worry is a rough one, and it also leads to strokes. Larry Reha is still cover- recovering from his stroke that he had three years ago. Now I don't know if worry led to his stroke. But I know it's a big one. Anxiety, stress, all of that comes from worry, fear. 
If you're a child of God and your family serves the Lord, you really don't have anything to worry about. My problem is reaction. I don't worry about the future and I don't care about the past. And I've let it all go. My problem is reaction to things in the present. So, yeah, I get it. But worry is a big one. So let's all pray for those who have problems with worry. Melanie Collier just hit the nail on the head. Worry is not faith. Trust God. Ooh, girl, you nailed it. You nailed it. Now, that doesn't mean that if you worry that you're, you don't have faith. It means that your faith isn't strong enough yet to overcome the worry. And that's okay. That's okay. We're all on a journey here, right? People that have problems worrying probably don't have problems with anger. The people that problem that have problems worrying probably don't have uh, a problem with uh, you know trying to control every situation. I don't know. Those are my problems. But I react to things. That's my biggest problem. My my reaction to everything. Milo says he who worries about something before it's necessary worries about it more than is necessary. I like that. Julie Green talked about this today. Don't worry and be afraid. Trust God. I love it when we're on on the same page. Let's read from failure. Right? Since we're talking about accountability and since we're talking about worry, I'd say one of those biggest worries that people have if you are a worry wart is failure. Let's do that. Let's talk about that. 2 Corinthians, again, 13.7. And by the way, while you're at it, like this video. Thumbs up, folks. I, everybody refresh. Let's everybody refresh right now. Tell me what you have for likes after you refresh. I only see 377 likes, but I see 1,500 people watching. Folks, hit that thumbs up button if you haven't done it yet. 2 Corinthians 13.7. Now we pray to God that you will, do n- that you will not do anything wrong. Not that people will see that we have stood the test, but that, that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Sound familiar? There are many ways. I've heard that same thought over the years, but the message is always that you need to keep plugging away no matter what comes your way. Ooh, that's a good one. Some of you guys are showing 430 likes. That's crazy. Most everyone fails at something in life. Failure happens. At any time you try something, failure is a possibility, but not an inevitability. When failure does happen, it's how you handle it that makes a difference. My biggest problem. Do you sit there telling yourself that that's just the way the cookie crumbles? Or do you pick yourself back up, dust yourself off, and start all over again? Which one do you do? Christ had roadblocks before him at every turn while here on earth. People did not believe he was the Messiah. Even after performing many miracles, people still doubted him. Still, he kept on keeping on. Having faith in your abilities is just as important as faith in God because he made you. He gave you those abilities. 
God doesn't make mistakes. So you're not a mistake. You need to embrace what you're good at and get good at it. Embrace the abilities and the skills and the resources that God gave you naturally and do them. Use them. Put them into work. Do you know when I do that, I am the best I ever, I'm the best at everything. I'm the best father. I'm the best husband. I'm the best person. I'm the best child of God. I'm the best person to spread the gospel. When I embrace what God gave me and what he put me here to do, I am unstoppable. But it's very rare because we have so much in the flesh that keeps us from embracing that. We, the devil is working overtime on each and every one of you. I realized that this morning about how good you can be when you put it all to, when you put it all together, when mind, body, and soul, when you're eating the right things, when you're fasting like you're supposed to, when you're taking in the word of God, when you're actually putting all of that into your everyday decision-making and actions, you're unstoppable. Absolutely unstoppable. And you can get things done like this. How many of you have done that before? God first in everything. Even after performing many miracles, people still doubted him. Still, he kept keeping on. Like I said, he made you. He gave you those abilities. If you try, you might fail, but never fail to try. If you try, you might fail, but never fail to try. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know how many businesses I tried to start in my life? Probably 15 different businesses that all failed. Do you know how many times I tried to control every situation? Do you know how many times I tried to become famous in the music business or whatever? Do you know how much I tried to make people forget that I was a felon and that I was a jailbird piece of crap? I failed at everything I ever did. The only thing that I did not fail at, even though I was good at almost everything, but I'd never seen anything to completion because I failed. I was a failure without Christ. Since Christ, I never fail. I've never failed. Do you want to know how come I've never failed? Because I've never given up. Before Christ, I gave up all the time. I'd get 80% complete, give up. 90% complete, give up. 50% complete, give up. Failed and failed and failed and failed and failed time and time again for 30 some odd years. I haven't failed since 2016. Have I disappointed? Yes. Have I disappointed? Yes. Myself and my family. And God. But I've never failed since 2016 because I've never given up. And I'm always moving forward. Whether it's with politics, whether it's with God, spiritually, earthly, fleshly, husbandly, wifely. I disappoint a lot. But I never give up. Not anymore. What's the sense? You give up. You become like the tin man. Oh, you can. Oh, you can. I screw up probably more than anybody that I know. 
I disappoint probably more than anybody that I know. I say things I shouldn't say probably more than anybody I know. And I have to live with those. And I have to repent. And I have to say I'm sorry. And I have to atone time and time again. Some pe- someday maybe somebody won't forgive me anymore. I don't know. I know God does. It's not up for me to worry whether somebody's going to forgive me or not, though. I only can do what I can do. And if I haven't done everything that I can do, then I need to do more. It's that simple. Now, for the next few minutes, I want to read from a new book. Bible Doctrine. The major teachings of the Bible about itself can be classified into four characteristics. And by the way, this chapter that I'm reading from is titled The Authority and Inerrancy of the Bible. Now, I did not know what the word inerrancy meant. So Eli and I looked it up. Inerrancy means freedom from error. Freedom from error. So when you're talking about the Bible being the full authority for Christians, that means that that, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth, cannot have any error in it. None. Zero. Zip, zilch. So how do we know that? Outside of faith and the Holy Spirit, how does one know that what is written in the Bible is the full authority with full inerrancy, freedom of error? How do people know this? Well, We're going to read a little bit about it. Thank you, Linda. Four characteristics. The authority of Scripture, the clarity of Scripture, the necessity of Scripture, and the sufficiency of Scripture. Explanation and scriptural basis. With regard to the first characteristic, most Christians would agree that the Bible is our authority in some sense. But in exactly what sense does the Bible claim to be our authority? And how do we become persuaded that the claims of the Scripture to be God's words are true? These are the questions addressed in this chapter. Explanation and scriptural basis. The authority of Scripture means... That all the words in scripture are God's words in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any word of scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. This definition may now be examined in its various parts. The Bible claims to be or claims that all its words are God's words. This is what the Bible claims of itself. Whether or not someone begins with a conviction that the Bible's words are God's words to us, there are frequent claims in the Bible that all the words of Scripture are God's words, as well as being words that were written down by men. In the Old Testament, this is often seen in the introductory phase. Thus says the Lord, which appears hundreds of times in the world of the Old Testament. This phrase would have been recognized as identical in the form 
to the phrase, thus says the king, which was used to preface the edict of the king to his subjects, an edict that would that could not be challenged or questioned, but simply had to be obeyed. Therefore, when the prophets say, thus says the Lord, they are claiming to be messengers from the sovereign king of Israel, namely God himself, Yahweh. And they are claiming that their words are the absolute authoritative words of God. When a prophet spoke in God's name in this way, every word he spoke had to come from God or he would be a false prophet. And you know this by Numbers 22:38, Deuteronomy 18, 18 through 20, Jeremiah 1, 9, 14 and 14. Uh, 14, 14, Jeremiah 23, 16 through 22, Jeremiah 29 through 31, uh, Ezekiel 2, 7, and Ezekiel 13, 1 through 16. Furthermore, God is often said to speak through or by the prophet. In these and other instances in the Old Testament, words that set, that the prophet spoke can also be referred to as God spoke himself. Therefore, to disbelieve or disobey anything a prophet says is to disbelieve or disobey God himself. Now, we're just cracking into this, folks. We're just cracking into Bible doctrine, and I want to add this to our daily reads. Because I think Bible doctrine, theology, how you see things, how you spread things after you read them, how you comprehend things, is it the right way, is it the wrong way? You have to rely on the Holy Spirit to know how to comprehend it correctly and to pass it to somebody else. And no pastor, no priest, and no rabbi is going to be able to give you the 100% truth of the Word of God. Do you know where you find that? in the B-I-B-L-E, and with your private time with God and speaking with Jesus. That's how you know. That's how you know. Don't take anybody's word for it. Don't take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. I'm just a middle-aged father of five, overweight felon who found God seven years ago. Don't take my word for it. Because it's not my word that you are to obey. It's not my word that you are to adhere to. I'm only telling you what the Holy Spirit is weighing on my heart to tell you. After that, it's all up to you and our dad, Yahweh. So ladies and gentlemen... That's going to do it for Rise Up, episode 143. Today was a very, very powerful episode. But I'm going to bring you out the same way I brought you in, and that's with some beautiful, wonderful, God-loving music, goodness of God, ladies and gentlemen. I just want to thank you all so much for being here today. You're a blessing. Please help us out at jeremyherald.com or lfatv.us. Help us by continuing to share it. If you have not yet, if you came in late, make sure you like the video. And let's all sing by Jen Johnson, The Goodness of God. LFA TV continues with Ungoverned and Sean Farish coming up next, followed by Live from America at 11 a.m. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. God bless you, and I'll see you tomorrow for some more Rise Up. Have a great, great morning. From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing 
of the goodness of God.